Good to be here. <clears throat> Does everyone have their very own watch stamp? Do you like stamp? I do. No. Huh? I don't. I don't. Would you like one? I don't. I guess. Hand carved. Hand carved. In Brindavan. Yeah, that's cool. Do you know? You want it? Oh, for sure. You know how to use it? Kind of like stamp it. Yeah. Well, now, are you, go, you guys going to fight over it? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> We're going to Brindavan. I'll get you a whole stack of it. <laughs> you know, you make your tea lock like you're going to put it on. You put water in your hand, you, you know, and then you take... Oh, makes a really nice, and it's quick. And then for the one on your head, to make it really nice, you draw it on a table. Is it blowing? A real hard table. And then you it's go, hot. bam! <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good. It's good. It's hot air, though. Yeah, it's hot air. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I'll be right back. Well, see that you do. <laughs> so. Yeah, some people keep their tea lock in a little container and they keep it wet and they that's not the first class way to do it. Because it mold it can mold and it can get kind of moochy in there. If it stays wet, you know it's good. In the beginning we all started doing it the way Prabhupada did. Just water in your hand, take the tea lock. If you want to use a stamp, you can use a stamp. For my head, because I can't see, I, I can't put my tea lock on with my glasses on. So and I can't see very well with my glasses off. So I made a, I took a coat hanger and I cut up, cut out this little thing and I just put it in. And I put it. It's quicker, easier. So tea lock stamps are really cool. Yeah, they're fun. You got another hat. Well, that one fits you well too. The the pill hats are your are, are just you, aren't they? Yeah. All right, where did we leave off? Oh, by the way, before we go any further, this is a world famous magazine, Dallas Magazine. You know, the Dallas Fort Worth area is. Uh, the fourth largest metroplex and largest in the United States. So, and uh, Dallas is a, it's a big money town, you know, it's, oh, it has been for, so it's very, it has a very sophisticated side and this Dallas magazine is like the upper crust, you know. And uh, I don't read the Dallas magazine. However, uh, you just never know. Look who turned up in Dallas Magazine. Wow. Radha wow. Kalachanji. That's beautiful, yeah. <laughs> what? Her suit? 
Bliss. Isn't this wonderful? What? This is great. You know, wow. The wild pursuit Kalanchanji. of bliss. Look at Kalanchanji. He's <laughs> <laughs> kind of like... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <I'm here. laughs> he looked, you know, he's like, you lucky dude. You get, you get to look at me. <laughs> so this is your lucky day. And oh, Radharani's like, Krishna, would you just stop showing off? <laughs> No, he passed it around. <laughs> oh, and, this, and, there, and then there's little Radhakans over here and right here. They have three sets of Radhakrishna deities wow. in Dallas. Wow. We have uh, <laughs> Chota. Chota so means junior, beautiful. small. Chota Radhakala Chanji. Then they have little Radha Govinda. And there's a whole story between how we got them, but I'm not going to yeah. go into that now. So. <laughs> He's my dear most friend and ever well-wisher. He gives me what I need. He's given me punishment when I needed it, and pats on the head when I never thought they were coming. So pretty sweet. This deity, uh, this Kalachanji, is a very mystical, mysterious deity. He... Uh, most of the people in that community that have lived in Dallas for a long, long time, especially those that spend a lot of time there, uh, had, he comes to them in dreams. And uh, it's, it's always, it always, the dream always happens in Kalachanji Park. You know where the park is there next to the temple? You know that first house? Yeah. That used to be my house. Really? Yeah. Satsarup Maharaj lived there, and when he moved out, when the park where the it's like it's just on the side of the yeah on the side of the temple, the Tamal Krishna Maharaj's yeah, Samadhi and is there. The Tulsi house is yeah, okay. and then that first house right there yeah. <clears throat> on Gurley, I bought it from the temple in 1980, and uh, anyway, um, but in this park which is full of pecan trees, Kalachanji performs his uh, mystical pastimes. And the, the dreams are very similar. You have a dream and that you're going through the park and all of a sudden Kalachanji appears from out of, from, he jumps from behind a tree and he pranks. He does different things to different people, you know. So uh, the young girls say that he grabs them and he kisses them. He starts kissing them on the cheek. And he, he won't let them go and, until they kiss him back. You know, they have, have to kiss him. And then they, they go to kiss him. And they feel you know their, their lips against his cheek. And then they wake up. <laughs> you know? So, uh, you know, with me, he was, uh, it was just hugging. You know, he was, we were dancing, he was spinning me, and then we were hugging. And then I woke up and he was gone, so. Yeah, there's more to that story. But we won't go there now. Where did we leave off? They were saying 12 or 13. Wow. So 13. Why are you letting me go so slow? It's a little bit It's more nectar. The slower we go, the more nectar it is. Mm -hmm. sure.
Anybody know? Does anybody remember? I didn't mark it for some reason, but I shall. I'll try to remember. Was it? Uh, was it 12 last time? We did 12 last time? I'm not sure if we did. That's where I got it marked. I got it marked on the we do the five factors of action? Well, let's start off with 12. Anishtamish, but this is everyone, everyone on the, it's uh, chapter 18, <coughs> verse 12. Anishtamishtamish suramcha trividam karamanaha palam bhavyati atyagan atya, oh, excuse me, atyaginam preta. Natu san yasinam kwachit. Translation. Did you find it? For one who has not renounced the threefold fruits of action, desirable, undesirable, and mixed, accrue after death. But those who are in the renounced order of life have no such result to suffer or enjoy. So, what's Krishna saying here? For those, for one who is not renounced, which means you're not renounced, so you're attached. Attached to the fruits of your labors. In other words, you're a, a fruitive worker, uh, uh, often referred to as a karmi. You're a karmi. You're, you're working and you're generating karma. So the threefold fruits of action, which are desirable, undesirable, and mixed, uh, Sometimes we get things that we want, sometimes we get things we don't want, and sometimes it's kind of, you know, kind of take, kind of a take it or leave it situation. So, uh, if you are not in the renounced order, then these threefold <coughs> fruits of action accrue after death, which means they go with you after death. At the time of death, the uh, mind, intelligence, and false ego go with you to your next body. So, have you ever thought about that with us? So, after death, I, you, the soul, you're going to go, well, not any of you, because you're, you're liberated. But if you weren't liberated, then you would go to your next body, and your mind, your intelligence and your false ego will go with you. Mm. Now, what do we mean by intelligence? Our ability to reason. Mm, not really. No. That's a, a common accepted. Not intelligence, false ego. Yeah. The spiritual intelligence that you gather? Oh, yeah. The knowledge. Spiritual consciousness? Yeah, yeah. Your accrued, your accrued right. data. Right. Like, your hard drive has an amount of information on it. So that's intelligence. It's like in, uh, uh, in the military definition. Um, I need some intel. So I need you to go on the other side of that mountain over there, find out how many of the enemy there are, how many tanks do they have, how, where are their supply lines. You see, I need intel. So I need intelligence. I need some. I need to know some stuff. So I know stuff. So 
uh, intelligence and material. Fragments of uh, material intelligence go with you. That's why some people think uh, uh, of intuition. Or you may have uh, something like deja vu. You know, you've been someplace, you think, oh, or something's happening. Well, it's fragments of, of intel, knowledge, that have accompany you. But your, ab your ability to reason and use knowledge is different from intelligence. So you can be intelligent, uh, but not real smart. Eric, can you think of anybody you've ever known that was like that? I knew, uh, I had some friends uh, that I went to high school with, and they were like genius type guys. You know, they could they could read, retain, remember, with you know, recall information, just like that. And they went on to college, and they got big degrees, and they ended up working in a gas station. They just worked that smart. I mean, they knew all kinds of stuff. But they couldn't figure out, should I do or should I not? And so sometimes they could, sometimes they couldn't. Sometimes they could use their intel to make the decisions. On, well, they just, you know, uh, IQ is your ability to figure things out. So you may have somebody that has an incredibly high IQ, very little education, and they're going to get ahead of you. You see, or vice versa. You see what I mean? So uh, this goes with you. This intelligence. This goes with you to your next, uh, your next birth. Mind intelligence and your false ego. In other words, this ego of you think I am, whatever body you're placed in, next birth. So you leave your body as a human being, and you take the body of a dog, and you believe you're a dog. You're convinced. Nobody can convince you that you're not a dog. It's only when you get to the human form of life that I can convince you that you're not a human being. You're an eternal spirit soul. You're the soul. Try that with a dog. It ain't going to work. Trust me, I've tried. I thought that was going to be funny. <laughs> Is there a death in your family or something? <laughs> This is a tough room, isn't it? <laughs> now they laugh. <laughs> I need a, I need one of those signs that they have in the, you know, that lights up laughter. <laughs> you ever go to when they're filming? Um, anyway, moving on. <laughs> but Krishna says, uh, those who are in the renounced order of life, meaning that you're not attached then these things uh, don't go with you. Why? Because you're liberated. So that means your, your accumulation of material intelligence is useless, you see. To the renounced soul, to the uh, purified soul, uh, material intelligence is as useful as a pocket full of sand, you know? If you know Krishna, what is it that you don't know? You know Krishna, you know everything. 
but you regain uh, your uh, position of uh, liberation, meaning I, I, I fully have uh, regained my identity. I've got my eternality. I realize that I'm eternal. I have my cheat. In other words, I have all knowledge. Doesn't mean necessarily that I'm going to know trigonometry, but I have, I know everything. So the living entity, the nature of the soul, is that you're sat ananda. Sat, you're eternal. Cheat, full of knowledge. And ananda, eternally blissful. So these things come with you finding out who and what you are. You've regained, you're restored to the Satchitananda platform. So, um, why? Because I'm, I'm renounced, I'm not attached. I'm not attached to the material energy. Why am I not attached? Because I see through it. I see it as useless, you see? It's like Dhruva Maharaj says, all these jewels that I wanted, Krishna, look like pieces of broken glass. You know? So I have no, there's no, there's no use for it in my world of, of, um, of spiritual consciousness. It doesn't fit in. <coughs> Material knowledge can be used to serve Krishna. You can't. You can actually use it. You know that's been proven. We've seen people do that. Uh, <clears throat> but those in the renounced order of life have no such result to suffer or enjoy. Why? Because you're out of here. You're finished. You're not going to be taken uh, by the Yamadutas, the servants of Yamaraj. You're going to be taken when the soul leaves the body by the Vishnu Dutas, the servants of you're going to be taken and your destination is a different place. Now what do we mean by the renounced order of life? Well that could either mean uh, like you were saying not being attached or it could actually mean like a sannyasi you know renounced order of life. But it means being in the renounced order meaning I'm renounced. I'm renounced to the fruits of my uh, actions. I'm not, I'm not attached to the material uh, energy. So, a grihasta can be in the renounced order of life, right? So, Elijah's in the renounced order of life. Matul Govinda's in the renounced order of life. Chaitanya Leela's in the renounced order of life. Govinda, Govinda Madhavas in the house, or the, oh, Radha is in the <laughs> Hey, it's your day, you know, I pick on her all the time, so. I consider it a great honor. I only pick on the ones I love. Oh, gosh. When I get to know you better, your time is coming. I'm just kidding. So, yeah, we're in the renounced order. You see, uh, because we're not attached. We may have some attachments, but we're working through that. You see, we're working through that. That, that stuff is, is all starting to fade. It's like, uh, I may, uh, 
I may have this thing with my body, my false ego, but this what happens to the false ego is I advance in Krishna consciousness. Dissolve? It dissolves. Mm -hmm. so my false ego dissolves because I stop thinking that I am my body. As soon as I don't think that I am my body, my false ego is gone. It's finished. Does that make any sense? Yeah. All right. Atul Govinda, you want to take... Uh, Almighty Arm Arjuna, according to the Vedanta, there are five causes for the accomplishment of action. Now learn of these from me. A question may be raised that since any activity performed must have some reaction, how is it that the person in Krishna consciousness does not suffer or enjoy the reactions of work? The Lord is citing Vedanta philosophy to show how this is possible. He says that there are five causes for all activities, and for success in all activity, one should consider these five causes. Sankhya means a discourse of knowledge, and Vedanta is the final discourse of knowledge accepted by all learned acharyas. Even Sankara accepts Vedanta Sutra as such. Therefore, such authority should be consulted. The ultimate control is invested in the super-soul, as it is stated in the Bhagavad Gita, Sarvastya Chahamridi Sanivista. He is engaging everyone in certain activities by reminding him of his past actions. And Krishna conscious acts done under his direction from within yield no reaction, either in this life or in the life after death. Yeah, Krishna conscious acts done in, in his direction from within yield no reaction. Oh. So that's an indication that we shouldn't try to do it like I got an idea. You know, it's separate from the disciplic succession. But it sure sounds really great. How about we, you see, so Prabhupada talks so many places about following in the footsteps of the uh, previous acharyas. So we do that. We follow previous acharyas. Uh, does it mean we're mindless robots? No. Because uh, it's like they say in Texas, we want to run with the big boys. I remember when I started out uh, in uh, the insurance business in, in Texas decades, decades ago. Uh, I started working for this guy who was one of the very best. One of the best. Very rich guy. And I remember, he was an old Texas guy. And he told me, he said, now boy, if you want to run with the big dogs, you're going to have to work smart and you're going to have to work hard. But you're going to have to work smarter than harder. Hmm. So, whatever. So, uh, if you're going to follow in footsteps, why not follow in big footsteps? Like previous Acharyas. These are bigger than bigger than life. So, uh, if we don't follow the step in the footsteps of the big acharyas, then uh, we're following the footsteps of lesser examples. It's just not intelligent. Well, it's 
lower IQ to do that. See what I mean? Your IQ is not, there's something broken because that's not a really good thing for you to do. So like if you're, uh, and that's true in whatever you're gonna pursue. You follow the leaders in that field. From that, you may take what you get from this, from them and add something. You see that you can use time, place, and circumstance, but basically you're still getting, you're still part of that disciplic succession. And you're taking initiation from a, a bona fide spiritual master, which one who's in line with that disciplic succession, you also become part of the disciplic succession. Now you may humbly think, oh, but I'm just a novice or whatever, that's humble. We appreciate your humility. But I don't have to see you as some novice. I can see you're part of the disciplic succession. And if you follow uh, in the footsteps of the uh, previous acharyas, you are glorious. What do you think Krishna thinks of you? If you're following in the footsteps of the previous acharyas, carrying on Lord Chaitanya's movement, you see? What do you think Krishna thinks? What do you think Lord Chaitanya thinks? He sees you as glorious, doesn't he? Krishna wants to worship the Brahmins. You see? So, all right, you wanna? Yeah. <coughs> The place of action, the body, the performer, the various senses, the many different kinds of endeavor, and ultimately the super soul, these are five factors of action. The word adhistatanam refers to the body. The soul within the body is acting to bring about the results of activity, and therefore known as karta, or the doer. That the soul is the knower and the doer is stated in Shruti. Is Isha Hi Darshta Sharshta. In the Prashana Upanishad 4 9, it is also confirmed in the Vedanta Sutra by the verses <coughs> Yan Ta Eva in 2 3 18. In Karta Sashtar. Satra, Sastra, Sprata, Avata, Vata, 2-3-33. The instruments of action are the senses, and by the senses the souls acts in various ways. For each and every action there is a different endeavor, but all one's activities depend on the will of the Supreme Soul, or Super Soul, who is seated within the heart as a friend. The, super, the Supreme Lord is the Super Cause. Under these circumstances, he who is acting in Krishna consciousness under the direction of the super soul situated within the heart is naturally not bound by any activity. Those in complete Krishna consciousness are not ultimately responsible for their actions. Everything is dependent on the supreme will and the super soul, the supreme personality of Godhead. 
Anytime you see that J-N, that's pronounced yeah. like a G-Y. Yeah. Like Gyan. Uh, you could say Janana or Gana. It's, either way, if you drop the A at the end, you can, you can do that. Gyan or Gyan. Prabhupada. Um, and it, it, kind of, there's, it kind of depends, but many times it's dropped. You know, the A at the end. Om Agyan. What does that mean? I was born in the Om Agyan. What does Agyan mean? Yeah. Agyan. Agyan is knowledge. Agyan, lack of, darkness. Om Agyan Timarin Dasya. Jnana. Jnana. Shalakaya. So, Jnana, knowledge. So, it's hard, it, it's sometimes hard because, um, you know, we read the way it's, it is because we, we, we read English. So we, we read it that way. So it's okay. It just takes a while. When you get old, the, the words don't stand still. They move around sometimes. <laughs> I, I, sometimes when I'm reading, it's like I have to go catch them. So... Um, yeah, the body, uh, the performer, the various senses, the many different kinds of endeavor, and ultimately the super soul. These are the five factors of action. Okay. <laughs> Whatever right or wrong action a man performs by body, mind, or speech is caused by these five factors. The words right and wrong are very significant in this verse. Right work is work done in terms of the prescribed direction of the scriptures, and wrong work is work done against the principles of the scriptural injunctions. But whatever is done requires these five factors for its complete performance. Mine might be abridged, but yeah. Huh? Mine might be abridged a little bit. Yeah, you've got that original or the uh, unabridged. Right there. I think it's more redacted. Uh, in the previous, I think it was the previous verse that Karta Dua. Krishna has a name, Jagat Karta. What does that mean? Yeah. Supreme door. Yeah, universal. So, um, you're not the doer. We used to say that to each other a lot in the old days. Oh, so you think you're the doer. You know, you know you're not the doer. But what are you? You're, you will. You desire. And then those desires are carried out by the modes of material energy. You're kind of caught in those modes. All right. You want to tackle one? I think I'm going to skip the uh, Sanskrit. Okay. Okay. Therefore, one who thinks himself the only doer, not considering the five factors, 
is certainly not very intelligent and cannot see things as they are. Purport. A foolish person cannot understand that the super soul is sitting as a friend within and conducting his actions. Although the material causes are the place, the worker, the endeavor, and the senses, the final cause is the supreme, the personality of Godhead. Therefore, one should see not only the four material causes, but the supreme efficient cause as well. One who does not see the supreme thinks himself to be the doer. Anybody has any questions or comments, just stop and throw them out at any, any time. Okay, Jesse, you want to fire it off? Yeah. <coughs> One who is not motivated by false ego whose intelligence is not entangled, though he kills men in this world, does not kill, nor is he bound by his actions. Purport. In this verse, the Lord informs Arjuna that the desire not to fight arises from false ego. Arjuna thought himself to be the doer of action, but he did not consider the supreme sanction within and without. If one does not know that a super sanction is there, why should he act? But one who knows the instruments of work, himself as the worker, and the Supreme Lord as the Supreme Sanctioner, is perfect in doing everything. Such a person is never in illusion. Personal activity and responsibility arise from false ego and godlessness or lack of Krishna consciousness. Anyone who is acting in Krishna consciousness under the direction of the Super Soul or the Supreme Personality of Godhead, even though killing does not kill nor is he ever affected by the reaction of such killing. When a soldier kills under the command of a superior officer, he is not subject to be judged. But if a soldier kills on his own personal account, then he is certainly judged by a court of law. It's incredibly. Prabhupada has this way of making things so clear, you know. I mean, um, you know, it's, it's like, that's such a perfect example. Uh, you're a soldier and your commander says we need to go kill those people over there they're the enemy Then, uh, and you do that well there's no crime but if you decide you're going to kill somebody you're going to determine that they're an enemy and you're going to kill them on your own, that's a war crime you could be executed for that this, these things happen you see so in line with the will of the superiors. Supreme sanction. Supreme sanction. So if, if uh, Guru and Krishna are giving an instruction, well, it's like Krishna was telling Arjuna, go kill. I need you to kill a bunch of people. Just, you know, for, for the sake of the world, I need you to do this. And so Arjuna, and Krishna also points out, they're already dead. I, he is time, Kala, eternal time. Krishna is time. Time I am, he says. So uh, he knows. He can see past, present, and future. And he can see, it's like uh, 
it's like, you know, well, I guess they use DVDs now, but they used to have these VHS, like you put a movie in the, you ever see a VHS movie? Please tell me you're not so, I'm so old I can't. <laughs> I remember. You remember. No, well, we or I guess they, the same thing with a DVD. So you put in a DVD movie, all right? Okay, a streaming movie. Have we experienced? Okay. You've experienced VHS. The, like the, the old Lion ones, yeah. Yeah, little, oh, little, little okay. plastic box, yeah. you know. It's, I know what I mean Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to learn to speak Spanish so I can get through to you. <laughs> but see, Krishna knows everything that's on that movie. You see? If you haven't seen the movie, you're only seeing it, seeing it progress. And you're at one point, like if it's a, a 90 minute movie, you're at minute 45, you're halfway through. You've seen the first 45. Krishna knows what's going to happen on the next part of it. So he, because he's time, he knows. He knows. These folks are dead. I know how this war is going to end. Trust me. I'm just asking you to take the credit. And when, when uh, Arjuna experiences universal form, he actually got a chance to witness that. Yeah. He yeah. was actually seeing how time was devouring all the enemy. Yeah. So he's utterly convinced. Yeah. <laughs> like, no question. Like, no doubt. Would you ever ask Krishna to show you the universal form? I'd prefer to see his two-handed <laughs> form. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to see yeah, the form. Just... I'd probably faint or something. Yeah. Fall out. Convulse. I mean, it's hard <laughs> enough to deal with his two-arm form. I mean, you know, you're going to go into an ecstatic fit. So... <laughs> yeah. I had this friend and we had an argument about whether he would read this book or not because it contains war and he would still defend like like the troops and stuff and the, and the current counter-terrorist efforts mm -hmm. and I was saying well you don't think that people could like generate terror in order to define an enemy and get everybody's uh, informed consent that way and he didn't mind the actual present bloodshed, but when I told him that this might be like, like a, the apocalypse, like the war between good and evil to end all wars, it's on like the mental platform. You can't even like respect that level of because people died, and you want to believe it's a myth, so that you don't have to worry about like historical mm. all these characters being knocked. Yeah, well, they got they left the, those souls left their body. But they went on to better, better things, you see. They went on, you know. So, um, for the purpose of uh, setting Kali Yuga in a positive pace, this war had to happen. Otherwise, we would have gone into this current age with the demoniac forces uh, in charge. So Bhagavad Gita was meant, and it, well, it could have been the war to end all wars. Krishna spoke the Bhagavad Gita to Arjuna, and everybody was listening. You know, it's, it's, Krishna wasn't just some average guy. 
he's speaking. They're all like, everybody's listening, you know, and they're telling everybody, what's he saying now? Krishna's saying this, you know. So this, uh, the demigods are listening. Everybody's listening. If we had taken the Bhagavad Gita as Krishna spoke it, and if we had started to live the philosophy, there would have never been another war. You see, the planet would have been, everyone would have been, become Krishna conscious. So there's no need for, for war. It, but Krishna knew this will, it could be, but it's not because uh, we're in the material world and um, people are not renounced, they're not surrendered. They're not following in the proper footsteps. They're going to follow in other footsteps. You see? It's the nature of this material world. There's different paths to take. There's different leaders to follow. You know, there's different uh, decisions to make. And if we, we get influenced by the material energy, you know, we get influenced by so much. Um, it's much more complicated than this age because in the in older times, there wasn't such a, um, uh, you weren't, you didn't have information dumped on you. In this age, it's just dumped on you, you know. If you lived, uh, let's say, I always like to use, for instance, at the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, when we go to Mayapur, I'll take you and show you exactly. I can show you villages that are exactly the way, where life is exactly the way it was. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's time hasn't changed. Wow. Hasn't changed. Um, so you live, you have a nice piece of ground, nice farm, and you have a cow, you have plenty to eat, you have milk. You have ghee. Ghee is, was wealth. You see, it's, you had everything. So how do you get information? You didn't have a newspaper. You'd hear it from neighbor or from your guru. There was a guru there in the village, small village. There's a guru. And maybe saints, sages would travel through. There were always traveling sages. And they distributed knowledge, spiritual knowledge. So this was your intake. Now we have the internet, which can help us look up the definition and stories, and, but it's just like, bam, all this. You know, so what the internet does is gives you, instead of a couple of choices, it gives you millions of choices, millions of paths to take. You know, and it depends a lot on the, the production of the video that comes with uh, at the website that you visit about the product or the whatever, you know, you see what I mean? It can, so poor information can be made to look um, good and it can influence you. So these are very difficult times in that we have access to so much. Although, at the same time, we have access to uh, Krishna conscious philosophy on that same internet. Double-edged sword? Yeah. So the art 
is to separate, be able to separate one from the other, pursue what is, uh, we, we should learn to accept things that are favorable for my advancement in Krishna consciousness and reject things that are not favorable. And that can be a struggle. But if we uh, come together, associate with the, uh, one another, and um, study Bhagavad Gita together, if we do, if we follow the life that we have, then it'll, we'll be successful. We have the road to do this. We can do this. So, but if we go walking off or trying some other, if we get out of the footsteps, if we start following the path of the previous acharyas, then we're inundated by maya, that which is not, you see. And then we become confused and degraded. Our, mind, our consciousness gets upside down. So, but it was much more simple 500 years ago. You get up, bathe, chant Hare Krishna. Probably some little temple in the village. Go there and chant. Have some Mangalarti, chant your rounds, you know. The sun is coming up, you say Gayatri, then you take your breakfast, and then you go do what it is you need to do. Take some lunch, take a nap, finish your life up, associate with the family, maybe read, you know, maybe have a snack before bed, take rest, repeat. Now, to modern, quote unquote, modern man, that sounds boring. You know, what am I going to do for entertainment? I get, I need my phone, or I need my this or that, you see. Because we're exposed to this uh, uh, inundation of other in information, available information. Yeah. Come on in. It's for doing nothing. Oh. You see, whereas in a simple, in the simple life, it's very pleasant. I can remember spending long periods of time in Govardhan, uh, and it would be just simple life, just really simple. You know, you uh, you were with me at the palace, and yeah, our temple in Govardhan is the. Uh, was once the palace, the king of Govardhan lived there. It's now our Hare Krishna temple. Uh, Tamal Krishna Maharaj came across that. The old king gave him a deal on that. I think he gave it to him, but the terms were he was never to reveal what the terms were. Mm. He was never to reveal the deal, how, we, how he got it. Otherwise, it was a, and Tamal had to take a, he had to swear in front of Girirash, the mountain, because we're right across the street from the mountain, from Govardhan Hill. He had to swear he would take it to his grave. He would never tell anybody. So, I think, I'm speculating, I, <laughs> I think the king gave it to him. But anyway, we, we refurbished it, and uh, nice courtyards, and it's, uh, Hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of years old. And so 
get up in the morning, take a bath, go to Mangalarti. And then after Mangalarti, I would go up and, you know, all the castles have a tower. I'd go up on the that upper part. Did I take you up there? You know, we'd go up there and you're looking at, it's dark, but you can tell the mountain, Govardhan Hill is right there, but you can't see it. Kiri Raj is there, but you can't see him. So I would sit there and start to chant my rounds. And the sun's coming up behind me. So I'm looking west. And as I chant, the sun's coming up little by little. And I start to see the outline of Govardhan Hill. And as the sun comes up more, I start to see some trees. Then finally, by the time I finish my rounds, the sun's practically up. And then go Guru Puja, take some breakfast, you know, class. Um, <laughs> and oftentimes in the, the day, the same way, the sun's setting on the other side of Giriraj. I'm sitting up there chanting uh, my, uh, at least my second, sometimes maybe third 16 rounds, watching the sun, and all of a sudden, Giriraj turns into just a silhouette. Sun goes down and it's dark. Take a snack, go to bed, repeat the next day. Never felt bored. Rest, peace, and um, connected. And the mood of the devotees who do that every day is just incomparable. You know, they're very sweet, very peaceful. There's many. Uh, Arisan devotees there. They're from uh, the state where Jagannath Puri is. So, really sweet and peaceful. So, you know, because we are contaminated by the material energy, we think, I need so much, so many resources. But you don't really need so many resources to be peaceful and happy, blissful. You know, it's just when you say that because Kirtan just this morning in Bhagavatam class was um, sharing how his family still lives this way. Like they don't work or anything. They just, you know, have their own little place. They have cows and bulls and that's, that's their home. As you take the train across India, India, that the train goes across mostly farmland, rural, rural India, and that's the way of life. Nobody works a job, you know. Some people in the cities you work jobs, but out in the, you know, you have a little piece of land, and the people may be from our standards poor, but boy, they sure seem happy. What was it you said after we'd been in? By the time we got to Brindavan, I think you had made an observation about the people in India. Was it you? About the not needing. Psychologist. Yeah, they're so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to business over <laughs> They're so unpretentious. They seem so. They seem like innocent children. They're so. Uh, they don't have the need to put forth a facade, which is so refreshing to deal with people like that. Now, when you get in the cities, you'll get, you know. 
but you know, out in Mayapur, and, yeah. so just no facades. It's just they are who they are, and so uh, to get them to laugh is uh, even though you can't speak the language, you can make them laugh very easy. Because the laughter is close to the surface, to the surface. I mean, you can do some kind of a silly thing and they'll laugh. I did something about 10 years ago to one of the uh, rickshaw guys over across the river in Nubbegee. I don't remember what it was, but he laughed, he laughed so hard. And when he started laughing, you know, when you, when you cross the Ganges, you go up into Nubbegee, and there's like 50 rickshaw walls, and they're all like, rickshaw, rickshaw. You know, they all want to give you a ride. And I always say, no, hatta, hatta, walking, I'm walking. No rickshaw, walking, hatta. Rickshaw, rickshaw, they keep following me. You know? So anyway, sometimes I'll goof around with them and make them, you know, make them laugh. So I got this one guy laughing, and when he started, he was laughing. Tears were coming out of his head. And the whole crowd of them was laughing. He, would, he turned to them and said something in Bengali, and they're all, ah! <laughs> And then for years, I don't think we saw him last time we were there, when I was there last time, but for years, every time the year would go by, and here I am back in Nubadweep, as soon as he sees me coming up into... From, from the boat, he would go, ha, 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 get here, he cracks up. And then half a block away, you hear one of his buddies, ha, And then a block away, he goes, ha, ha, ha. So in other words, the goofy swami is back. So, are they poor? Yeah, you bet they're poor. Does he, he sell snacks? Some snacks? Because <laughs> you were, I remember there's... Well, that's another guy. Oh, okay. That's another guy. Because right. you were pretty friendly with another guy there. Yeah, well, I've got a lot of, you know, as we walk down that road, I know most of them, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, that's another guy. That's a whole other story, that guy. <laughs> the guy there that was selling the snacks and the... On the dock on the Navadweep yeah. side? Yeah. <laughs> I had so much fun, you know. Yeah. One to India is a trip. Uh, if you go as a tourist, you're not going to like it. You may like some of the sights, but you're not going to. But if you go as a Tabodi looking for Krishna, you're going to be greatly rewarded. You know, you're going to love every minute of it. That boat we rode sailing down the Ganga, you know. Man, it's just, you feel like, you keep feeling like, this is the high life, you know? Going on, up on top of one of the buildings, chanting your rounds in the morning, looking around. This is the high life, you know? So, all right. Who's next? Where are we at? 18? Yeah. <coughs> Knowledge, the object of knowledge, and the knower are the three factors that motivate action. 
The senses, the work, and the doer are the three constituents of action. Therefore, there are three kinds of impetus for daily work. Knowledge, the object of knowledge and the knower. The instruments of work, the work itself and the worker, are called the constituents of work. Any work done by any human being has these elements. Before one acts, there is some impetus, which is called inspiration. Any solution arrived at before work is actualized is a, sub, is a subtle form of work. Let me read that again. Any solution arrived at before work is actualized is a subtle form of work. Then work takes the form of action. First, one has to undergo the psychological process of thinking, feeling, and willing, and that is called impetus. The inspiration to work is the same if it comes from the scripture or from the instruction of the spiritual master. When the inspiration is there and the worker is there, then actual activity takes place by the help of the senses, including the mind, which is the center of all the senses. The sum total of all the constituents of an activity are called the accumulation of work. Pretty in interesting yeah, verse in Portport, isn't it? First one has to undergo the psychological process of thinking, willing, uh, thinking, feeling, and willing. So I'm thinking, I get a feel, now I'm, I'm willing. You see, so the work, that's the subtle form of the work before I actually perform the work. It's the subtle, it's, all, it's a subtle thing. So, uh, does everybody understand that? What's the, what's the difference between the, the object of knowledge and the knowledge itself? The knowledge itself and the object of knowledge? Well, the knowledge, there's knowledge, but then there's the object of knowledge. It's like there's desire and then there's the object of desire. You see? Uh, I know something exists and I want something. And that something is that. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Does that explain it? Mm -hmm. What do you think? Yeah. You're thinking about India, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the inspiration to work is the same if it comes from Scripture or from the instruction of the spiritual master. When the inspiration is there and the worker is there, then actual activity takes place by the help of the senses, including the mind, which is the center of the senses. We always have to remember that the mind is just the center of the senses and it's not us. I'm not my body, I'm not my mind. You see, I can control my mind. It's just a... Uh, it's like uh, you have five senses, and then they all fo focus through the mind. It's the center, you see. Um, the nose may pick up the, the aroma of pizza. The mind says, whoa, pizza. Now the tongue gets a little agitated. The tongue is saying, whoa, pizza. See what I mean? But this is going through the mind. So the mind is just that if you can conquer the mind, then you'll get it to work for you and say, 
no, we're going to have these stupid pizza. It's too late. Of course it's delicious. We'll have pizza tomorrow. <laughs> but not now. It's time to go to bed. If you eat pizza, you won't sleep. You know. What were you going to say? I was going to say, well, how come everybody has the karma to really look like, like pizza? You yeah, Because the, <laughs> the mind is always in different modes of nature, but it seems like everybody's mode of nature likes pizza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Must be some weird karma. There's something about pizza, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> I think that we ought to do away with pizza. <laughs> if we were my bodies, we would... We would Control the senses by leaving the pizza out away. Just push it away. But since we're devotees, we're Vaishnavas, we make the pizza and we offer it to Krishna. And then we eat all we can. <laughs> yeah. Now let us take this prasadam to our full satisfaction. Now let us take this prasadam to our full satisfaction. And in doing so, we glorify you, Lord Radha and Krishna. And in love, call for the help of Lord Chaitanya Prabhupada So the eating becomes part of this bhakti yoga process, even if it's pizza. You're going to have to try pizza someday. Can you make pizza? Huh? She worked at a pizza store. Yeah, oh man. Yeah, she worked at a pizza shop. I think she's she made did. pizza before. Yeah. Thanks for telling me that. <laughs> Keshva and I, I took Keshva to Phoenix to take to catch the plane to go to Dallas, visit his mother today. And we were talking about your cooking. You know, how everything she touches is like she's got this, this Radharani touch, you know. She cooks it, it's like good. <laughs> You know, I, I can't wait to taste your pizza. I'm not pizza. Huh? I know you can. I know you can, but you won't. We also know that. Rada made a pizza a couple days ago. And tell me the rest of the story. She ate it all. Yeah. She ate it all. I was starving. She ate it all. I did not eat it all. I ate like a little bit more than half. <laughs> <laughs> That's not exactly all. It's not all. <laughs> did you offer it? Of course I did. Okay, then. I didn't know it, but I got it. It goes through, it goes through <laughs> through succession, so I, I got it, I just didn't know it. <laughs> All right. Falling up the, the senses work in the doer. 
are the three constituents of the action. So right. it's the same that things that work together. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Like employees in a yeah. company. Yeah. How do, you, how do you say that in Espanol? Um, well, that's how you say associates, but constituents, constituyentes. I don't know. You know? That's what I would say. <laughs> I'm trying to follow in your footsteps with your this language here. You know. Not a word we use a lot. Constituents. All right. Let's see how it's Oh, it's time. It's time, isn't it? Yeah, it's time. It's getting pretty close, but... Yeah, it's 6.15, we're in day two. We got about two minutes. Should we read the next verse? Maybe we just pause. Let's do it. Let's pause. I was right, Grunde. Constituyentes. Spanish class helps. <laughs> All right, so uh, you look tired. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very convincing. <laughs> the second Saturday is a little bit harder than that. We gotta eat some food and then go. Oh, second. Food. What are they? Second Saturday special. What do they do? What is? Oh, it? they have a bunch of booths set up and. Every Saturday of the month, they do basically basically extra booths and more people. Uh huh. So it's just, it's just twice as crowded. Alex. Alex. Uh -huh. so. All right. You want to sign us off? Okay. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. We're gonna go eat. What do you know? We're gonna go chant the holy name. Send our books. <laughs>